You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. I got a little cold, Rob. Can you hear it? Yeah, I'm glad we're sharing food right now, too. Well, they're chicken wings. You can take them individually. It's not like we're sharing a burger. We're dipping in the same bowl, though. Uh, Today's guest is a a friend of mine, more like a mentor, a father figure, if you will. Uh, He's been through a lot in his life and a pretty dynamic career. Henry Winkler. You might know him as the Fonz. He's been in a lot of Sandler movies. Uh, He's got a great show called Barry. He just won an Emmy. Yep, it's on HBO. On HBO. The show's killing it. He's one of the, I think if you ask anybody in the business who the nicest guy is, they will say Henry Winkler. Nine times out of ten. He's he's the guy. Well, they might say Jesus. In the industry? Is Jesus in the industry? Yeah. Inside of You is brought to you by our wonderful sponsor, ADT. Rob, I have ADT. It's a home security system. Yeah, you're a paranoid guy. Well, I have a dog. I have a, a large dog. I have tall gates. I have uh, with spikes at the top. I have a bat next to my bed. I've seen a lot of horror movies. And uh, to top it all off, I want to be protected. So what do I do? I get ADT system. So does it make you feel better? You feel better having an alarm system? One time, for some reason, one of my friends, dipshit friends, didn't close the front door all the way. And I woke up at three in the morning, I guess a gust of wind blew the door open because it, it wasn't locked. Mm-hmm. And the alarm went off. And I was freaking out. I was naked. I didn't know what to do. And, uh, you know, I went downstairs. I didn't have time to put clothes on. And within a few minutes, guess who's there? Uh, ADT? ADT was there. They came. And I was like, I don't know what happened. I was scared. I was, uh, you know, uh, somebody left the door open, I guess. But they were there. And, uh, you know, I just feel, felt really safe. I've had them for many, many years. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor, outdoor cameras, locks, lights, garage door control, even video doorbells, all controlled from the ADT app or the sound of your voice and backed by 24-7 protection. Explore the vast number of things you can do with your secure smart home. Rob? Yeah, you can set up custom automations unique to your home. Uh, to automatically do things like lock the doors and set, set the thermostat. Oh, I need leave. that. Yeah, that sounds good. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. You can control your smart home with the ADT app or the sound of your voice. Don't worry about installing and configuring your system. ADT will do it for you. That's right. Visit ADT.com slash smart to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Yeah, be just like Michael and go get an ADT system. Damn right. Uh, let's get inside of Henry Winkler. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. We're with Henry Winkler, Henry Franklin, Delano Winkler. Now, yeah, well, not Delano, but uh, I was named after the president. My parents escaped Nazi Germany. They're immigrants. If, yeah. they, if they didn't get to stay here, I wouldn't be here. That's true. Yeah. And I was named after the president at the time. Because they were proud of what he did. He got us out of the war. Yeah. He got us, right. Well, also, he was just like a thoughtful, calming, wonderful man. I think you're 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 insinuating something. Not a, something I'm not I'm not saying I, we're one not, I don't we don't have to get political, Henry. I'm not we don't need to. I'm not in for But I could I could I could sense I was only there. talking about my namesake. Yes. And your parents moved over here in thirty nine right. And they didn't before, move, they escaped. They escaped. Nazi they they immigrated to the United States. Yes. And then they had to keep asking the government for extensions that they got. 
The reason I know this is because I just found a box filled with papers from that time. And uh, I just finished shooting the second season of uh, Better Late Than Never. Wow. With uh, Bill Shatner, George Foreman, Terry Bradshaw, and Jeff Dye. You went on tour. How was that? Our second season. First season was Asia. Right. Pretty great. I had to eat uh, pork vagina. That was come come again. Yeah, that was on <laughs> the menu. Mean, pork, uh, we we pork went vagina. We went into a uh, yakitori uh, restaurant, a famous for yakitori yakitori uh, grilled meat. And uh, I said, "This is bumpy. What exactly <laughs> am I eating?" And I called over the grandma who owned the establishment. Now this year, she told me it was pork vagina. And this year, we went <sighs> to uh, Germany, Lithuania. Spain, Sweden, and Marrakesh. So I want to go back because I like to, I, I like to kind of get to know you. By All the right. way, thank you for allowing me, me to be inside of you today, Henry. Well, here's the thing, Michael. Yes. Um, you and I know each other a long time. I want to talk about that. We don't always see each other. We don't. But I have um, a great deal of affection for you. I feel the same way. Okay. I wrote that in my notes you did. that I haven't looked at. Well, now we've spoken about it. You can move on. Well, I, no, there's Who more Who listens that. to this? Do you know uh, how old your audience is? Uh, well, you know, I think a lot of them in the beginning are my fans or fans that just support me. And, yeah. I, and I hope. So they're that, in their 40s? Well, I'd say anywhere from 25 to, to 40, 30 to 45, 50. Yeah. But I'm hoping, uh, you know, now we'll have 55 to, to 60. After. 72. We met on a show yes, we called did. The Justin Adler Project. Which started off really funny. Really funny. And evolved and then or devolved into uh, less than oatmeal. Well, what happened was it was, a, it was a half hour drama. It was a single cam, which means there's one camera shot like right. a movie every week. By the Russo brothers. Right. Well, they weren't even attached then, right? No. They weren't even directing. They fired the creator on yes. the show. Oh, my pilot. God. Then they fired the writers. Yes. Or well, I guess he was the writer. He was the writer and his wife. And his wife wrote, uh, at that time, uh, Arrested Development. And she loved you and she put you on that show. Now, we had a great cast. We had John Michael Higgins. Yes, very funny. Very funny. We had Missy Pyle, who came very aboard. Very funny. Very, very funny people. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun, but then it turned, it went from great to hell. It, it, went, it went from great to nothing. I've heard from millions of people, not millions, that's an yeah. exaggeration, but everyone says Henry Winkler is the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. You have never seen him mad. He's the most generous. Yes. I couldn't believe, with all the hell we went through, right. how you never freaked out, Henry. You never flipped out. We had a 24-hour pilot shoot. Do you remember the last I day? I do. You do. How could you forget that? I do. I, there was a duck that was running around, right? Or a goose? Yeah. Yeah. See, here's the thing. How do you do it? I, well... First of all, uh, gratitude. I, I love, I just love being alive. Number two, um, I like being alive on this particular planet. Good. Uh, number three, I love my job. I mean, I love my job. And if we get angry, if we freak out, you lose the big picture of trying to get this particular pilot or whatever it is on the air. All this creative energy goes into what? Nothing. Because no one is going to listen to you yell anyway. One. But, but do you remember I got upset and you had to calm me down a little okay. bit? Okay. And, and then you got calm and we can. But, uh, but I did lose it. And I remember, not lose it, but I remember just being told oh, what to do in a certain way that I 
maybe I felt like, you know, felt like the old days with my father yelling at me or it was right. condescending, whatever it was. Who did that? Everyone, I did that? It was one of the Russos. You would oh, never one do of the that. Russos. And I remember you said, Michael, just breathe. It's okay. It's okay. It's going to pass. It's going to go. And somehow... And here we are. And we're uh, on the radio on your podcast. It's it, You know, things can be better. Really? And what did those guys end up doing? The How, I don't have any idea. Uh, Captain America's. Oh. Blockbusters. Yeah, big, big. Yeah. Yeah. So Cute little guys. Shouldn't have fought with them. They were. I liked one yeah. of them, I think. Yeah. I, I liked them both. I of course you did. I never worked with them again. But you used to send Hey, me. you know what? I'm not that crazy about them. Yeah, it just dawned on me. Yeah, why, why did they call you? You were really? a pleasure. I was nice. Yeah, I'm the ass. Yeah. God. Let me ask you. Yeah. So you're... you're I look good in tights. Do you look good I in do. tights? You did a lot of productions where you were in tights? None. Uh, one for my son, Max, mm -hmm. the director. Uh, you got I, in tights. I, How yes. old were you when you got in tights? Right? I, well, this, I was in my 40s because he was in school. He was at USC film school. Right. And we were on the beach with uh, a young actor named Armin Weitzman. You know Armin? I, I want to say I do. I know the name Weitzman. He's very funny. Yeah. And uh, I was playing uh, some sort of uh, older Peter Pan. And I was in green tights in the middle of the beach. Were you concerned about your package in front well, of Well, no, you just grin and bear it. It's your son. Are you proud of it? Your package? And your uh, son? Wait, of my particular package? Sure. Not the whole package, but some of the package. Well, I, I like the whole package. You do? Good. Yeah. That particular part of my package, right. it's, uh, it works very well. I've got uh, Two three beautiful, children. Three uh, yes. I've got uh, five grandchildren. Uh, you know, it just keeps going. It's uh, nice. You were born in 45 at I was. the end of the war. Yes. My parents came over here in 39. Right. When I guess that's when the Nazis invaded Poland yes. around that time, right? Right. Yes, and uh, I was born in New York City. And your father mind. came over here and he smuggled in, I don't want to say smuggled, but he had these chocolates, but they were the family jewels. It was the only thing he had that was worth any money. That is exactly right. His mother's jewelry uh, and the jewelry he gave his wife, my mother, uh, he encased them in chocolate, put them in the box of chocolate, put a ribbon around it. Did they look at the chocolates? Did they open the chocolates? They never opened the chocolates. They never opened the no, chocolates. No, they opened everything else. And how much money at that time do you think was in that That's box? a good question. I don't know. But enough to do what with? Enough to pawn them and start his life in New York City. Right. Yeah. And within five years, I guess it's 1944, he realizes, let's celebrate, sweetheart. Your mother's name, Elsie? Ilsa. Ilsa. Ilsa Anna Marie. Elsa Anna Marie. Yeah. And she, I guess the, the war was going well. The Germans were starting to lose Stalingrad right. and all that. They were getting cold, you know, wintered out. And they decided to have sex. Yes. Right at the end of the war. And you were born right at the end Finally. of the war. Let me tell you, that was, uh, that that was, was a long... Frustrating. <laughs> that was frustrating for them. So I know you've talked about this ad nauseum, but like the, I, I like to get inside of you. I like to talk about because you talk Well, you openly. know what's really interesting is uh, one of the episodes of Better Late Than Never... Uh, this year is my finding my roots in Berlin. Really? Yeah. And you go there? I do. Uh, we went there. Uh, Bill Shatner, uh, George, George Foreman, Foreman, Terry Bradshaw, and Jeff Dye. Was it emotional? Well, I'll tell you that it was life-changing. Life-changing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, 
you didn't have a great relationship with your parents, and I, I think, did not. I think this is a this is. I remember we had lunch at Kate Manolini's. Ooh, doesn't Ooh. exist anymore. Doesn't exist, but you love that place. I like the sandwich. Yeah, that sandwich with the what is it? What's in that? It had what was it, it, it mayonnaise, turkey, turkey. coleslaw. Um, Russian dressing, I believe. Was it a jelly, a cranberry? It might have been a cranberry cranberry. and no crust. Right. And there was a name for it. And a pickle. There were those little pickles. What are little pickles called? Uh, um, uh, Gherkins. Gherkins uh, or uh, uh, I want to say aubergine, but that's- uh, That's a big word. That's a color. Yeah. Could be. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. But I remember you opening up and I was, frankly, I didn't know you very well other than you were an icon and you were great to work with and you were supportive. But when I sat down with you, I started telling you about my family. Right. I wasn't even, it was unbeknownst to me that you came from a dark sort of upbringing. Yeah. And I started telling you, you know. And I mean, like, you know, figuratively too. And and, uh, uh, not just literally, uh, uh, the apartment was dark. It was. Yeah, I grew up in. Is that, are you serious? Yeah. It was dark. Dark. A bad area? No. Broadway and 78th. Right. Just New York a, City. Just lacking light. Just lacking light. Right. Yeah. So you opened up and I started telling you, you know, I, you know, my dad's never really said I love you. He was always like, you know, hard on me. And what's funny is I, I don't know if I was dyslexic and maybe I, who knows if I am a little, yes. but I knew that I, I was colorblind as a kid. Right. And I didn't know it till later in life, till like I was 15, right. 16 years old. So I was getting very bad grades, not all because of colorblindness. Yeah. But I remember in our class and these people always thought I was stupid. Yeah. I remember being in, a, in Gus Derner Sports in But Indiana. you know what? That, that tragedy still goes on today. Sure. One out of five children have some sort of learning challenge. Yeah. That's why uh, my partner and I write our children's books. Lynn. Uh, yeah. We are, we're writing the very last Hank Zipser. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Right now. Well, how many have you written? The 34th. The, why is the 34th the last? Uh, because we have decided with the publisher that it was time to move on. I find this fascinating how you didn't, you're dyslexic growing up. Right. Your dad's- I didn't called, know until I was 30s. 31. I don't know. I mean, look, it's, it's hard growing up in general and going yes, to school is. and other yes, kids. Yes, it is. Were you not a cool kid? No. At all? No. Where you picked I off. had to wear an overcoat in August in Manhattan with only window air conditioning. You know those units? Yeah. If I called a girl, I had to put on an overcoat because I shook so much. What was that? Where did that stem from? A uh, lack of self-confidence. Do you think that you still have some of that today? Yes. Less, I must say, Less. I, I have finally now, you know, when they say youth is wasted on the young. Yeah. They're not kidding. I wish I knew then what I know. Now. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I came from a family where I, you know, my dad was 14, 20 SATs, really smart. My mom was what did smart. He, do? he was, uh, I work in pharmaceuticals and mm-hmm. he was a plant manager. My mom wrote articles and I just remember. Wrote articles about what? Like sports articles or articles that were happening, you know, things that were happening in the community in Indiana. Wow. But I just always felt my grades were bad. Right. I read that you used to celebrate when you got a C. Yeah. That's what I used I to do. I threw myself a party. I, I, <laughs> that's what I would do. Yeah. I just felt. It was a very small party. Very I had small. one noisemaker <laughs> and a hat. It was the shaking. It you were was, doing underneath I'm the, telling you. But, you know, I just, I remember feeling like my brother's the smart one. My dad's closer to him. I'm the dumb one. My dad's teaching me math. Again, I read something and the parallels were crazy. Yeah. Your dad teaching you math. My dad could do calculus back and yes. forth. And my geometry. father spoke 11 and, languages. And, yeah. And why can't you do this? Why can't yeah. you do this? And I just never had a lot of confidence. 
so how did I become an actor? And I, and, and I think it's because somebody, I got on stage, somehow I did it, and somebody said, When hey, did you know that you wanted to be an actor? You know, I, I was f- sort of forced to do a play in high school because I, uh, I was in drama class. See, and- I couldn't be in a play in high school because my grades were so low. You had to have good grades. Getting yeah. Well, my grades weren't great either, but they, I was in no, drama No, but I, class. I couldn't do extracurricular. But anyway, when did you yeah. know? So you were forced to do a play. Well, I was taking drama class, which was an easy A. Right. You know, drama class. What right. do you do? You do nothing. The teacher does nothing. It's right. drama class. So right. she said, Michael, I'm not letting you take drama senior year. Unless you. drama, unless you audition for a play. Gotcha. I auditioned for Grease. I Grease. got the part. I was Vince Fontaine, the DJ. I was scared shitless. Right. To the point where I was in the DJ booth, and I, they go, Michael, you have to move towards the so people can see you. I was so nervous. And I remember after the play, somehow I got the confidence just to do it. I, I'm telling you, I still remember the lines because I was so nervous. A popular kid the next day at school, I'm walking down the hallway, says, hey, you were really funny last night. And it was that moment I thought, not being me is better than being me. Huh. So that's, I think, why I started getting acting, because I felt like people are accepting me yeah. when I'm you know what else. You know what is funny about that? Being me, being you know the straight guy is almost impossible for me. I am a character actor. I, I'm not a leading guy. That's hard to believe. It's true, though. You see some I'm of just telling you it's play. true. It's not hyperbole. It just is true. You couldn't do it? No, I could not. I had to have a hook. Uh, you know, uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier, uh, he built a nose out of putty for the character before he could become the character. His nose came first, and then everything else came. And so he did that because he wasn't comfortable with himself? He wanted to be a that's character? How he, no, I think that he did that. He, he found himself, or he found the character, through changing the look of his nose into a nose of the character. And I'm, that's the hook. That's his hook. Uh, when I went in on an audition for the Fonz, I changed my voice a little, changed my body. That was my hook. And I got the part. That's incredible. Yeah. So you, ha- you couldn't be yourself. I could not be myself. Still, almost today, it's hard to do it. I, I'm on a new show with uh, Bill Hader for HBO called Barry. And, Love Bill Hader. I think he's oh, one of the funniest guys in the world. Well, he's a genius. Did you ever see his Keith Morrison from Dateline impression? I, I've seen it oh, all. Oh, my God. He's a genius, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you had to find the hook to become the, the character. I think when I shaved my head for as Lex Luthor for Smallville, I was scared out of my mind. I was like, they're not going to take me seriously. I'm a goofball. I'm, a, I'm a just I'm, I'm sort of. You shaved your head for the audition? No, I didn't. But when I got it, I thought they'd fire me. And when, when they shaved my head in the makeup trailer, I sort of felt like. I'm different right now. Right. I'm not me. And that helped me play the part. Yeah. It helped me play into it. So it's I, under, I, I do understand that. You know, there's a whole acting technique, uh, Commedia dell'arte, yep. which is from Italy in the 1700s or maybe even earlier, where they put on a mask and you stand in front of the mirror with a, an exaggerated mask, not a rubber mask. Either it covers the top part of your face or the bottom part of your face. And you just silently stand in front of the mirror. And all of a sudden, your body changes. A voice starts to come. And the face forces you to become a character. It's a great exercise for any young actor. And you've actor. done this. I have done that in school. And then the hook, the baldness, the changing of the voice. That's all the mask. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. Inside of you is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. I got Rocket Money. <laughs> like I, I found one. It, I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God, it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming, dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period, it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com inside. That's rocketmoney.com inside. Rocketmoney.com inside. What I'm trying to figure out yes. is Henry Winkler at this as this young kid in front of a, a girl wearing a trench coat, shaking underneath, scared. On the phone. On the phone. Not even in front of the girl. 
That wow, that's weird. Yeah, not I was, weird. I mean, that's just. I was so nervous. Now, how old are you at this point? I am 15, 16. Was there any love in the family? Was there any affection? Was your mother affectionate? Well, I loved our dog. What was your dog's name? Uh, Dervin, a an Irish setter that my mother gave away. Why did your mother give the dog she away? She didn't like dogs. Did it break your heart? It broke my heart. Yeah. How old were you? Uh, uh, how old was I then? 10. Did she understand how much this dog meant to you? I don't think it mattered, and I don't think she understood. But be that as it may, we now have incredible dogs. Sure. Yeah. You have Irv. I have Irv. Who I've known for many, many years. You you give me these random texts, Henry, where it's just, Michael, I'm thinking of you. Yeah. Irv, your brother Eric, I love you. I hope you're well. Yeah. And it's enough to... And now I've met your sister. Oh, that's not my sister. That's my assistant. Oh, your assistant. Not my sister. That's my sister. I heard your sister. That, Rob, that's my assister. Yeah. That was my assistant, she's Jessica. She's a, a lovely person. I met your sister. Yeah, my sister's in Indiana. She's, oh, she's getting married for the fourth time. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So you're this young So kid. your family is really screwed to the wall. Oh, yeah. My mom is in her third marriage. My dad just divorced his second wife. Um, How? My, it's, You're not married. I'm, do you, is there, is, are you shocked that I'm not no, married? No, I'm not shocked. I'm not Maybe that's However, I think if you ever decide that that is a route you want to go, yeah. I think that um, you are so filled with energy and life. I think it would be delightful. Do you think I'd be a good father? I do think you would be a good father. You are unbelievable with your dog. Yeah, I love my dog. And when you have a child, from the second before that child is born, you're you, kind of like, oh my God, I'm scared out of my mind. The second that child is born, that comes out and you hear the cry. Something unlocks in you that is uh, indescribable. It has no language. Unconditional, this is my life, that's it. It's no matter how frightening it is, you figure, I can do this. By the way, I, I look back and I, you know, I have, I believe in forgiveness. I really do. And I yeah. think the only way to move on is to forgive. And right. I think you've probably, do, do you forgive your parents? I do. Who do you forgive? I, you know, my dad was 18 when he married my mother, who was 23 with two kids, a five and a seven-year-old, had me a year later. He was a hippie. He had no job. Right. There was, I mean, it was kind of hell. And I can imagine having a child that young. Right. And so a lot of things that he might have done wrong or his lack of affection or whatever, there's certain things. Did you just, see him have affection for your mother? At times, I did. Really? And I think there's, there became some passive aggression where it was like my mom always needed attention mm. and uh, aren't I great? Aren't I pretty? And my dad, it, it became sort of, yeah, you're beautiful. Yeah, we all know you're great. It became this weird right, right, dynamic. Right. Gotcha. And it got kind of ugly. And, yeah. uh, and I also just, I never confided in my family. I never mm-hmm. could go to them with the secret. No, I never did. I never felt like I could trust them. I no. just, I, if they're listening to this, I love you. I just couldn't trust you. No, no, no. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, the truth is the truth. The truth is the truth. Right. You've forgiven them. Yeah. I, I, have, I mean, I have forgiven Is there them. anybody outside your family you've forgiven? Uh, you know, I forgive Hans uh, for uh, Rich Rhodes for punching me in the face. You do? Uh, yeah, when was I, that? I kind of, I called him some bad names. That was in high school and he was at a, you know, he was mad because my dad called his dad a fat ass. Right. And then he like, you know, followed Took it out me. on you? He followed me home after a basketball game and I, I told him, I just, you know, I, I was always good with comebacks. Right. I was always the funny guy. Yes. So I was little and insecure. Right. But when someone said something, I always... 
popped him, right? Gotcha. With something, and everybody laughed, and then right. they felt like they had but to punch me in the face. this guy popped you. He punched me in the face, and my teeth were crooked, and then I ended up getting veneers, and that's what happened. Gotcha. Long story longer. Do you know him? No, I don't even know what's going on with him. I no. haven't seen him since high school. Right. He was a great, great hockey player. Terrific. So... How did you? How the hell did you get into acting? If you're like this insecure kid who can't even talk to a girl, dreamt on the phone? about being an actor every minute I was alive. Why? What did you see that said? Oh, I shit. have no idea. If people were born to do something, I was born to try to be an actor. There, but nothing inside. Like what did you had? To I have seen. no idea. I'm telling you the honest truth. How did you know an actor existed? You saw movies. Yes, I went to the movies at uh, the Beacon Theater, which is now on Broadway, and. Uh, uh, you know, is a uh, a theater of uh, live performances. Like uh, Carol Leifer was just there. Right. And what movies do you remember Sing Sing? I love that movie. Oh, uh, a Comanche, um, Apache, uh, a lot of Indian and I, cowboy I noticed. movies. Yeah, sure. War films, Rose Over Tokyo, I think that was called. Yeah. Right. Something like that. So you, you, how old are you now? You're going to start, you're going to try an audition for... Uh, college you can start you apply to 28 I colleges to a lot of colleges and you got into two i got into two one of them i never heard of since uh <laughs> park university in missouri right if anybody has gone there right michael let me know <laughs> let me know yeah barbara yeah barbara can barbara. you do that <laughs> i was just wondering if there was a barbara out there i bet there is a tiffany barbara told me she'd be on the show by barbara eden did you ever uh did you ever date barbara never she's no. a lot older than you i know i i i i think i dated one actress oh Please. Cindy Williams. Come on. Yeah. How old were you when you did it, Cindy? Uh, I was doing the Fonz. She was phenomenal. She's a She was great, gorgeous. I remember having a crush on her. She is a wonderful Laverne lady. and Shirley. She's great. Yeah. Fantastic. I remember saying, oh my God, this woman is beautiful. Yeah. She's a great actress. She's funny. Could do anything. Uh, her talent is limitless, truly. And do you keep, keep in touch? I have seen her over the years every once in a while. Is it weird? Never. Never How weird. Long She's did you a date? warm person. How long? I would say less than a year. That's pretty amazing. A year or less. Were you in love? I liked her a lot. I don't know that I was capable at that time in my life of being in love. Right. I think I was very closed off. Um, if you thought of my center as a colonel, my emotional center, uh, not to, to get heavy here, but get heavy. is covered like Chernobyl with um just tons of cement i ha i've spent since that time jackhammering the cement away still to this day i think of myself as a block of swiss cheese and i'm filling in all of the holes in order to become cheddar i agree i feel this i feel the same way no I, it's okay to be completely being honest a human with being it. it's the human condition i had i was on the plane last night coming home from dublin and i was on the plane why were you in dublin i was i was uh doing one of those conventions no was, in uh, dublin talking to some fans and seeing them and signing and, and signing stuff. in and dublin amazing. yeah it was amazing it was amazing oh my god i've never heard of that one yeah it was called the dublin comic-con wow yeah, i did one in london so everyone yeah in a while, I, i've done I'm them very in london. fortunate to be able to you know, they send me all over to do these things. Uh, so I'm very blessed. I, I have to say I love Comic-Cons. You do? I do. Why is that? I, because I stand on the other side of the table. I don't sit behind the table. And then I look at each person that comes up and I look them in the eye. These people are fans. I exist because they watch. Agreed. If they did not watch... You or here. pay the money to go to the to the movies, 
or come to the theater. You wouldn't be on my podcast. That's exactly right. I wouldn't be driving the car I'm driving. I, I wouldn't. Way. I would be living in Pacoima. You know, and some people are like, wait, wait, I don't understand these Comic-Cons. There's a, like, imagine you want to go to Cancun every year for a vacation because you want to go to Cancun. You love Cancun. It's great. The fans come because these Comic-Cons are like oh, – They're Cancun. They're vacations. What a great way to look at it. They And you know what? I was doing this before I had any fame. I was going to horror movie conventions and like, you know, meeting, trying to meet Robert England and, and all these – There you go. And who's a lovely guy. Yeah, he's like, I ended up doing a movie with him. There like, you go. I, I, I idolized you. Yes, a yeah. wonderful fellow. So I know what it's like to be a fan. I am a fan. I am, I am a fan. I am. I write letters to actors that wow me. Who wows you? Uh, oh, oh, Michelle Dockery, who was Mary uh, in uh, Downton Abbey, right. is on a new show on TNT, maybe, uh, and it is called Good Behavior. It, last year was the first year. Incredible. John uh, Totoro. What? Oh, I love John. In, in I wrote show. him a letter. In that sh- John Lithgow in The Crown. What do you, what do you say in this letter? I is say, it an elaborate letter? It's an elaborate letter. Of what I see them doing in order to create this wonderfulness. And I say, I am moved by what you're doing. And do they ever respond? Sometimes. Who's responded? Uh, John Lithgow wrote me back. What did he say? Uh, John uh, Tatura wrote me back. Uh, Michelle Dockery wrote me back. So, uh, Oh, did you ever see uh, Goliath with uh, Billy Bob Thornton? No. Uh, it's on Amazon. Oh, I've heard of it, yes, yeah. but I haven't seen it. Well, there is um, Mia or Maya is an actress and she was in um, Venus and Fur on Broadway and her performance was jaw dropping. She has a long Greek name. I don't know the last name. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I'm being disrespectful. Look it up. Look it up. I wrote her a letter. And she responded. No. That's okay. Maybe yeah. she didn't get it. Or uh, you know what? It. It's okay. I wrote the letter. You're doing it for you. You're not, I mean, to, to, or for them to let them know how you feel. Yes. But you're not I doing need, it for reciprocation. I feel the need to write them a letter. I never expect to get a response. Are you friends with any, anyone that you're actually a fan of? Like you were a fan before you met them and somehow you became friends? I mean, I was a fan of Bill yours. Hader. Bill Hader. You thought he was hilarious. Thought he was a genius. And then to work with him, to stand next to him, to watch him, to watch him in between takes, to do scenes with him, to, to go with him. Working with him is like water skiing on a lake at five in the afternoon when the water is glass-like. Why is that? I, because that's who he is as a man, as a person, Just very as an giving. artist. Very thoughtful yes. and very focused. And fo- and knows exactly what he wants. He and his partner, Alec Berg. They know exactly what they want. And they allow you in that structure to be free. And if they like your ad lib, it's in. You auditioned for Yale Drama School. I did. And you improvised a Shakespearean. Lawns the dog. Come on. I did. I totally forgot it. On the spot, you on were- the spot, I just made it up and thought, well, I've screwed myself to. And the you wall. made up lyrics or, or words, uh, Shakespearean words. No, or- not necessarily Shakespearean words. I was never, I never in iambic pentameter. I didn't make it up. So it wasn't like by the hand knew- on my arse. Yeah, whatever it was. I just uh, launched could- and his dog, and uh, he walked his dog, and he loved his dog. And you committed. I committed. <laughs> 
I did. did you, when you walked out, did you think for a second, oh, yeah, I got this? No. You're like, I'm effed. They know I that. I was so excited. 25 actors were asked into the program, 11 finished, and three were asked into the um, repertory theater at Yale at the, at the theater. And I was one of those three. How? How does this nervous kid from high school want to be an actor and just auditions? For, there had to be something okay, before that. Your answer, you just said it. Wanted. Will. If you know what you want without ambivalence, if you dream it, it is not um, a dream. If you will it, it is not a dream. I feel like sometimes those dreams or those thoughts are convoluted with, with something that makes me think, am I doing this because... I think it's probably good for me or the perception of other people will. And so I think I, this is a bad thing, probably. No, it's what, hard I'll to tell you do. what it is. It's not bad. It's, it seems normal. Exhausting. It normal. We are, it, it's, it's exhausting. And it also is a roadblock. I said without ambivalence. I know. That's what made me bring up this question. That's right. So if you remove those thoughts because they are actually not in any way making your life better, or making you a better person, you are then hurtling toward your dream. What about doing too many things at once? I, I did that and I cut them out. How do you do that? That's what I I'm decided, going through now. What do I want most? And then everything else gets cut out or maybe- Not everything. What do I want the most? What do you want the most? That's a, that's a question I have to really think through. Tell me now. I mean, personally or, or no, professionally. no, professionally, say professionally, oh, man, that's, 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 I, 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 you know, what do you enjoy doing the most? You know, I think I, I, I really do love acting. Okay. I, there you go. Just stick with that. But I, I do love acting when no it's buts. the right freaking project. No, I'm no, not, no. I'm not like you or other actors who can, you're not, you, well, you do great work. You do great jobs, but I sometimes wait around for the like the next great one and i say that you do that not because you're being true to your art you do that because it protects you waiting around what does that do for you it frustrates you mostly you think to yourself you spend a lot of time thinking what i really want to work why well oh that just doesn't seem right i talked myself out of and back into more jobs than I can tell you. I I feel like I'm I feel like I'm talking to myself in a way. Like you're We're all uh, the same. Well, you're telling me things that I have experienced that I I I feel like I get fear. It's we're, fear. We're all the it's same. It's fear. You want to be successful, and you, you you know you get you get an offer for a job, or you want you know you have an opportunity, and I I psych myself out. I'm like, no, 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 I can't. The hundreds of thousands of people who are listening to you on this up podcast. Sure. It's absurd. A lot of them know exactly what we're talking about. They, and it doesn't matter whether it's acting or being a lawyer or being a great hairdresser or, or what, what uh, makeup, whatever it is, we stop ourselves and rationalize, oh, well, it's okay. And then we don't have to face the music. I also, yeah, I think there's a lot of fear in there. Yeah. I think there's a lot of fear. That I have a lot of fear. I want to be, I think I drive myself crazy yes. to the point where sometimes I get ticks, yes. little ticks where I'm like, I want to be great at this. I'm playing music. I want to be great at this. Yes. I want to be a great writer. I want to yes. be, and I'm trying to do all these things. Yes. And if there's anything but greatness, I feel like a failure. Right. And it's not and true. And that's effed. That's right. 
That's not true. You went through a lot of that. I still go through it. I still go through it. I get a job and I think to myself, can I do this? Can I do this? I don't, I can't act. What am I doing? I, I've learned, I've got how to act and I'm petrified. I went and auditioned for Bill Hader to do his show. It, I love this part. Were you nervous? Out of my mind. Did you tell him? I think afterwards. But when I got in that room, because of his generosity and the generosity of Sherry Thomas, the casting person, mm-hmm. and then Alec Berg came in and Sherry's partner came in and they were so supportive that I soared. Isn't that something? When someone who... that But I almost wet myself in the hallway. You could have easily bombed as opposed to... I could have easily walked out. If they weren't as... If they didn't embrace you as much. That's right. Oh, my God. I did an audition for a movie, and I was so bad. It was for the casting people who did Night Shift. I have known them that long. I almost gave up the profession on that uh, afternoon when I left that... When um, was this? I would have to say, let's say, within the last five years. You went in there and you crumbled. I you, crumbled. You, something happened. Did you walk? Did you know that clammy feeling you get? I, anxious I, feeling? I don't remember any of that. I crumbled. Did you go to your car? Do you remember almost sat, crying? Almost. Did you call your wife? No. How do you deal with it? Bill Shatner had an office in that same complex. His assistant came out and said, Mr. Shatner would like to say hello to you. I said, I'm not in the mood. Mr. Shatner would like, just come in for a minute, would like to say hello to you. I don't know him that well. I went in, I told him what happened, and he literally talked me back to life. What, what, what did he say? What did William Shatner say to Henry Winkler? In the grand scheme of things, it's just fine. Ultimately, it's like, this is life. You're going to fail. You know, my therapist says that to me. Michael, you just need to fail. Right. I go, listen, when I do stand-up comedy, I wanted to try it. So I did six months. Of, I threw up. Yeah. I would throw up before, before I went well, on. Well, you have more courage than I do. That's a really difficult job. It was the, the hardest in the world. Yeah. And he looks at me and says, great. Yeah. I go, what do you mean great? I threw up. I feel like shit. Yeah. I'm actually cra- I'm have, I have explosive diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Not to be too graphic. No, but, but you I, were. But I was what, graphic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was very graphic. I shouldn't have said explosive or diarrhea. It wasn't necessary. Well, one or the other. Yes. But the, the point is, I was just, I was so nervous. And then I, I went out and afterwards I felt great. If and I don't you, understand why, I, I, if, if I feel great on stage and I feel great after, why do I have to feel like shit before? I experienced that. I public speak all over the country. And I would get nervous and think, oh my God, this particular crowd is going to be the one that doesn't want to hear a word I say. They're not interested in what I have to say. And I would do this every one, uh, every speech, and it was as organic the 50th time as it was the first time. Until one day I said to myself, who the hell do you think you are? You know what you're doing and you know what you're going to say. And you know you get laughs, so just shut up and do the speech. I never look back. How long did that take you? And how old were you when that moment? Oh, I was, let me tell you that uh, I was in my 50s. Well, you just finally said, fuck it. Yeah. I'm not going to let this get the best of me. I I know what I'm doing. That it's a lie to let it get the best of me because the fact is it, I am successful at it. The people enjoy what I say. So 
What is this other thing you, do you think you need to be scared to be good? And I went, no, I don't. And I literally turned the light switch back on at that moment, walked up the, on the stage and gave the speech. And you've never, I've never looked back. You ripped the rear view mirror off. You're done with that. I, I'm done with that. Still acting. Still, still, I still the, get scared. You still get yeah. scared. What year was it when you, when your first break was what? Being asked um, from uh, as a student into the repertory company at Yale, right. that was a that was one of three people. That was that was big. I made one hundred and seventy three dollars uh, a week. I was there for a year and a half. I then got a ten dollar raise, and I went to the That's arena. Like Eighteen dollars. Yes, I went to the arena stage in Washington, a great repertory theater. Within three weeks, I was fired. James Woods, Michael Tucker. Jill Eikenberry, Stephen Collins, Chris Guest, uh, and uh, Maureen Anderman, all in the cast. Moon Children was the play. And you were fired. I was fired. I cried all the way back, driving all the way back to New York. I thought, who is going to hire an actor who has been fired? And how old are you? I am now 22, 23. I, I, I would have jumped off a roof at 22. I would have jumped off a roof. I did commercials. I um, earned a good living doing commercials for television. Everybody would say, you know, I don't know how you could do commercials. It goes against our aesthetic grain. Then the next question was, how do you get them? (laughs) Because I worked in front of a camera. I made a living. I didn't have to be a waiter at night. I could do plays for free. Right. It was amazing. Especially nowadays. Everybody's doing commercials. Everybody wants to do commercials, campaigns, whatever. Right. TV. Right. So then I want to get to happy days and we're going to go through it. I then got on a plane in 1973, September 18th, 2.45 in the afternoon. I landed in Los Angeles. Two weeks later, I auditioned for happy days. What'd you wear to the audition? I don't remember. Was it a leather jacket? No, it was not. I didn't have a leather jacket. I just had hair down to my shoulders. Did you have a, did you do the voice? I did the voice. So you went in there with long hair and an attitude and acted cool. You were going against the grain. I had six lines. What were they? I don't know. I I think it was, he next time, Richie, let me do the talking. I think that was one of them. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, I walked out of the room. Uh, forgot about it. So that's done. I'm like, I didn't know. Um, I was called back. I re-auditioned, but this time they dressed me as the Fonz. They plucked my unibrow, which was painful because, wow, we did I have a lot of sure brow. I have back hair. Yeah. A lot of back, back hair? hair? Yeah. No kidding. It's a Jewish thing, I think. Yeah. I, well, I don't. You don't have back hair? No. So it's not a Jewish thing. Well, you know what? It might be a Jewish thing on your side. Maybe. Do you know? Your genes. Yeah, my dad has some hair on his back. They, I think if I didn't trim it the first time, it wouldn't be as bad. Yeah, it comes it, like, like, a, like, uh, like a beard. beard. Yeah. Like a beard. Yeah. So you got called back. They I dressed got you called like the back. Fonz. They dressed me as the Fonz. They put on makeup. They did my hair. Right. Bruce, did, you, did you read with anybody? Uh, Pasquale. A guy named Pasquale. Right. Uh, I did it again. And uh, this time I did it for Michael Eisner and Barry Diller. Uh, they were both at ABC. They went on to run Paramount. And then Michael Eisner went on to run Disney. 
And Barry Diller went on to run the world. This wasn't for a lead role either. This was for a, what? For six it? lines. This was for a one episode? This, no, uh, uh, a recurring. A recurring. Which means uh, if you did 12 episodes, you were in seven. So you're doing Happy Days. And, and this is years before you got married. This is 73, 74? Yes. When you're on television, people don't know you. They think you're the character. Cher called me up on the phone and invited me to her famous uh, roller skating parties that she would have in the 70s. Right. And oh, I man. spoke like Henry and she said, ah, you're not the Fonz. Come on. You're a good actor. I said, thank you. Did you go to the roller skating party? I didn't because uh, out of fear, I thought, oh my God, I, I, I will be very nervous in front of all those celebrities. I feel the same way around celebrities a lot of times. Yeah. I'm friends with people, but I always feel like I don't belong. Yeah. I, I, you know who I love meeting? It, music stars. Who's your favorite? Uh, I love uh, Bruno Mars. I love Lord. Fantastic. Well, you're modern. I you're love more current than I am. I love Sia. I couldn't get past the 90s. I love uh, Mumford and Son. Wow. And I GMT. Love, oh, you know who I love? Uh, um, uh, do you know Fun? Uh, yes. Yeah. Jug, uh, Jack Antonoff. What's the big Bleachers? fun song? We Are Young. Tonight. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So, well, Jack Antonoff wrote a lot of those songs. Right. And now he has a a, a, a whole thing called Bleachers. It's a, a one-man band, actually. Wow. And he's on tour. Do you like 70s Southern rock mixed in with 90s? Like who? Uh, that's just kind of what our band plays, the sandwich. Oh. The sandwich. We're called the sandwich. I'll buy the sandwich. Well, I mean, we have nothing to buy. Oh. But maybe but one what, day. So name some people that you like. I mean, I'm like you a, love. I'm like an oldie. I like, you know, the, the Carol Kings, the Carly Simons, the Joni Mitchells, the Doors, the Hendrix, into like Pearl Jam and uh, 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 the Wallflowers and Bob Dylan and all like all over the from the 60s to like Little Anthony and the Imperials. I to, like Little Anthony and the Imperials. So all over. And every once in a while I'll hear a song today that I'll like. Del Shannon. Del Shannon. Uh, My Little Runaway. Yeah. Yeah. As I walk alone, I wonder. I listened to that on my Emerson clock radio in 1959-60 in my room in Manhattan. Wow. Yeah. He felt alive. Gray plastic. I love that song. Were you lying in your bed just looking up dreams of becoming it something? It touched me. It did? Yeah. So anyway, you had fun. Did a girl ever ask a weird thing? Like, hey, will you wear the jacket? Everybody asks me if I have the jacket, will I wear the jacket? I'm talking about during sex, Henry. Oh, no, 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 no. Hey, will you put on this? Will you put on the accent? Will you give me a thumbs up? Will you do something? Any weirdness? I'm sure. I don't remember. Did you, pro did you probably do it? Did you probably give in? I don't know. You know, at, at the time, <laughs> I wanted to separate myself. Of course. Uh, so I didn't realize that this was a craziness in me. But I would say to everybody, you know, you, I'm not the Fonz. I'm Henry. Rather than just shutting up. Yeah. I think there's, there's something to that. It's eventually you said, what am I doing? You know what? I, uh, yes. Better I, than being I, called, hey, asshole, right? Right. That's it what was, it is. It was stupid. But how many seasons did you do? You did 10? 10. And when did you become top billing? I think maybe season four. Now, that was a negotiation. Your agent said, I want him top billing. No, I think my lawyer. Most Your lawyer. lawyer, yeah. Were the other cast members Skip upset? Brittenham the third. Well, let me just say that I never, I never flaunted 
any of that. Yeah, you don't seem like a guy who would flaunt. No. Um, Ron Howard was the star of the show, and I always treated him in that way, and he was like my younger brother. Right. I So there's no ego. No one ever said anything. Chachi didn't walk in one day and say, hey, all of a sudden this guy's the top. He, nothing like that was ever said. Or they didn't never said it to my face. Right. Uh, and it was a good family, like a good, you guys all got along. We played softball together all over the world. I remember that. I remember seeing that. We played charades on Sunday, Saturday nights. You, you actually hung out. Yeah. I didn't hang out we with were, the cast. We were a really tight family. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And there was no real problems on set. No arguments. No. It was just that simple. The only argument was... This is not working. I need uh, I need to re uh, redo the scene. Um, uh, Brian Levant, could you rewrite? Right. Yeah. Babalu Mandel. And they were fine like that. Fine with that. They were not only fine, they rewrote it brilliantly. This is such a blast. Yeah, me too. I'm, are you having fun? I'm getting tired. Are you getting tired? Yeah. We'll wrap this We've up. We've talked a lot. What are you most proud of? The books. Hank Zipser, the world's greatest underachiever, and uh, the second series, Here's Hank. And do you write the books with With Lynn, Lynn Oliver. I just left there. Uh, we are writing the very last Here's Hank ever, uh, and we, we've um, uh, almost finished chapter six. And this is the last one? The last one. These are just some quick questions. Go ahead. From, from fans. And Truly? This is it. Yeah, these are. I looked online. Okay. My, my sister did. Yeah. I mean, my assistant. Assistant. Brandon McCarty, 13. You could do this quick. You've been asked this Go ahead. 13. How difficult was it for you to shed his bad boy sex symbol persona for dramatic and full-out comedy roles? You never shed um, a, a memorable role. It just doesn't happen. What you do is you embrace it and you go on. And if you are good at what you do, if you train... Uh, to be good at what you do, and you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, eventually you just all of a sudden build another segment of your reputation. Old school underscore pappy. Was that really your ass on Waterboy or was it a stand-in? It was ass? a stand-in. You would not show your ass? Uh, no, it's not that. It's, uh, his ass was tighter than mine. He was in the lighting. <laughs> he was on the lighting crew. You wanted a tighter ass? They wanted a tighter ass. They wanted a tighter ass. They wanted. I bet your ass is just fine. I always consider you a mentor. Someone who I met, someone who's kept in touch. Like you said, we don't see each other. Right. We don't talk all the time. Right. But we just had a great flowing conversation. We really did. And I remember one time, I regret this. I have a lot of regrets in life, and I'm trying to stop that. But you asked me to go fly fishing with you. Yeah. And I couldn't go. Right. And I felt like that was... No, that was not fly fishing. That was salmon fishing. Salmon fishing. North of Vancouver, because one of the greatest things about being a celebrity, honest to God, Mm -hmm. is that I don't have to stand online to go into a watch a movie. Number two... What do you mean you don't have to stand online? Well, I can buy a stand in line. I can buy a ticket and I can say to the manager, could I come inside... And I will wait quietly. You don't have to worry. I'll sit in my seat while they clean around me. But I will take a lot of pictures outside. Now, so that's number one. Number two is that I have been asked in the past to go on these fly fishing adventures where they outfit you. They fly you to New Zealand or to Montana. Uh, 
You can take your son. You can take your wife. And you fly fish you for get 10 to do all days. These things. What, do you think you'll ever ask me again to go fishing with you? No. Never. Well, I'm not asked. You're not asked anymore? No. That's kind of worn, run its course? Well, it just I haven't been asked. Maybe it'll come again. Uh, I love you, Henry. I really appreciate you yeah, allowing me to be you. inside of you. Today. I just want to say, if Please. you're going to do, if if anybody out there, if the uh, million or so people that are listening, uh, ever going to, they're going to be on this podcast. Yeah. Get a really good map because this house is hard to find. Let's not give the address. No. Oh, by the way, is yeah. it weird that I'm going to ask you to sign my Fonz doll? No, I, I, that's a, that would be a pleasure. Really? Yeah. You won't get mad? Is Not it weird at all. That... And, and he's wearing his um, uh, garage um, uh, uniform. Yeah. It's the only one I have. I bought it years ago. His jumpsuit. Yeah. I like that. You're, you're, a, you're a man. You're, you're a good man, Henry. Yeah, did. Can I call oh, you for advice anytime? Uh, keep it to a minimum. Minimal. Thank yeah. you for allowing me to be inside of you, Henry Winkler. Thank you for asking me to be on. I really, really enjoyed this. Me too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.